Hey yo, what's up? It's your boy Adrian coming at you with another episode of Big Facts No Cap. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like, leave a comment. Uh, let's get into it, fam. Uh, you know what it is, Big Facts No Cap, the only show that's number one with DACA Dreamers and Waka Flocka Streamers. I'm Adrian with Paul. As always, let's get into it. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap No cap. Big facts. No cap. No cap. Big facts. No cap. 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 Abed. Does that make me Troy? Ooh. Yeah, I think that would be, like, if we had to force ourselves into that dynamic, that would be who each of us was. That makes sense. Oh. I'm joking. I'd be Starburns. And then it, if we were Key and Peel, you would definitely be Key and I would be Peel. Mm. And if we were Lilo and Stitch, I would we definitely be, be both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did you say? I said we'd be, I would be both of them. <laughs> I contain multitudes, both Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> I'd be the guy with the ice cream on the beach that gets knocked off his cone. The, mm. the I'd be tourist. the cabbages guy. If I was in the Avatar universe, I would definitely be. Um, I would definitely be the uh, like hot emo girl from the Fire Nation. Oh yeah, my the one that ends up marrying Zuko. Yeah, yeah, May. May. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. I would be the cabbages guy. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get get through life make a living in bossing say well i mean he gets really vindicated in in cora right because it turns out he started cabbage corp the biggest corporation yeah yeah, yeah. oh okay okay so you're gonna leave a legacy but not be appreciated in your time uh paul it's scarily accurate that statement right there <laughs> <laughs> your b research is gonna be like it's gonna be the key to some like incredible uh progress for society yeah, exactly. But I'm going to be called a crank in my own time. Mm. <laughs> Riddled to the margins of society. And then at some point during my, my life, I'll say, they'll see. You'll all see. <laughs> have you have you ever, like, read uh, a paper on bees or uh, behavioral ecology? And one that wasn't, like, why? Yes. why <laughs> Thank you for answering. <laughs> there was a qualifier. So part one proved true. Okay. <laughs> Respect my qualifiers. Oh. Um. Shout out to Open Mike Eagle. But, and then, like, one that wasn't wildly debunked within the field, but you just kind of read it and personally were like, this guy's a crank. Like, you took personal offense to... Uh, not a crank, but I've definitely read ones where I've read, like, the methodology, and I was like, oh, that was a dumb way to do that experiment. I don't I don't believe whatever they're trying to say in this paper. Mm. Oh, okay. But I try not to uh, dwell on that too much. That's just, like, a personal note that I'll make for myself. Um, mm. There was a quick second in grad school where, like, it seemed like the smartest way to be the the best way to be the smartest person in the room was to be really negative, and I very quickly got out of that mindset because I thought it was kind of uh, toxic. Ooh, not toxic, Adrian. I like that. Yeah, where I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna have my negative things to say about things that are legitimately bad, but I'm gonna generally try and be positive. 
And you've uplift, uh, uplifted many young scientists. And, and that's when I say peace, love, and positivity, baby. I'm mm-hmm. the logic of the uh, behavioral ecology game. <laughs> yeah, that, and you named one of your papers the suicide hotline number. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the low. I've been taking my time. Just reading the abstract. <laughs> I feel like I'm out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Who can relate? Woo! I liked your I liked your first paper that had soul food on it better. <laughs> it is true. That's actually that's a really good beat. Um, that beat switch in the middle of my paper. Oof. <laughs> 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 and then when Charlemagne the God interviewed me about that paper, and he was like, "So who beat your who be, who beat your uh, sister? Who's this guy that beats your sister?" <laughs> I was just like, "I don't want to talk about that, man." Fuck Charlemagne the God. Just got to put that out there <laughs> um, for, for for my own soul's purity. I got to make sure to note that anytime he comes up. But yeah, what an ass. The God. Yeah. Um, have you seen that clip? Yeah, I mean, for some reason, interviewers, like, I don't even like Logic's music that much, but they ask him wild questions. Who was it that asked him, like, which one of his parents was black? And when he said his dad, they were like, oh, okay, you're black then. (laughs) Which is Mm, such a funny take. (laughs) Is that like a Jewish thing where it's transferred by the father? I guess so. That's cool. I kind of like that take. Oh, okay. Okay, I was wrong to think that that was kind of a weirdly rude and intense thing to say to another person. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. Like, uh, when Charlemagne finds out that both of my parents are Guatemalan, he's gonna be like, that actually cancels out. <laughs> We're not Guatemalan. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting math that goes into it. I don't even want to begin to tell you what happens when you got an Inuit and a South American together. <laughs> Weirdly enough, it's a Chinese man <laughs> that comes out. Funnily enough, you're not Guatemalan, but my calculation says you can say the N-word, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how the numbers come out i've crunched all the numbers <laughs> i do a little media roundup media roundup let's go for it all right um i watched tyler the creator set at Lollapalooza. nice very good very fun time love that he brought out some of the old old cuts so that was cool and i saw jpeg set at uh Lollapalooza, which was six songs long really oh. short damn yeah but pretty hype uh, my favorite part of the stream is where you can distinctly hear someone yell in the crowd, uh, Peggy spit in my mouth, which I think is a big thing among his fans. People ask him that all the time, apparently. Oh, really? That's tight. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is um, when Paul called me the other day while I was B-tagging, I mentioned that I was listening to the uh, Polish top 50 hits on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to bring in one of the songs. Uh, I'm totally going to mispronounce this, but... Um, Peter Peter Ashka, I think was kind of how he pronounces it, uh, or Ashka. Really pretty dope uh, hip hop track from a from a young man over there in Poland. But most notably, the reason that it stuck out and like immediately to me, and I didn't find this out until later, is that the song samples a really niche avant garde singer who I like and whose song I've also tried to I've tried to flip the exact same sample before. Um, so it's really interesting to see someone do that and make a hit with it. And um, he didn't produce it. Tro, Tro Hippie or Tro something like that. He's a guy who does like a lot of grind beats. He produced it. Um, so it was interesting to see like someone else's take on that sample. What was really cool is that one of the issues I had is I was trying to take out the low end, whereas he just used it to actually like help kind of base up the song a little bit, which was kind of interesting. Um, Should we? And this, was, this actually sounds really interesting. Should Do you still have your take on it versus his take? Can we play him side by side for the audience? No, I did. I don't. I think it was on my old computer. Um, All right. Well, we got to put a little clip of the song here. Josh. Hey. 
Wstałem jak co dzień rano i się okazało, że świat pojebało Dzwonią telefony u mnie na chacie, dzwonią telefony moim żomalom Chcą wiedzieć wszystko o macie, wszystko o pato Dyrka wkurwiona, chodzi w tej weftę po sekretariacie I myśli nad karą dla mnie za to, że... Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, like the guy has a really cool voice. He, uh, uh, it definitely sounds like a woman in the sample. They didn't picture anything. He just has like huge range in his voice. He's also a little bit pretentious, like on, on his website talks about how he has perfect pitch or whatever and stuff like that. But he has a really cool voice to try and flip for uh, hip hop samples. And, uh, the, uh, yeah, the song's interesting. I think that he does a little bit more gross beat than I would have done. That's my only comment on the beat. Um, really does a lot of like, kind of like chopping and screwing to kind of keep the song a little bit fresh. Um, a little bit more than I would have, but yeah, it was really cool just to see someone else, uh, make a beat way better using the exact same sample, <laughs> very niche, obscure sample that I was trying to use once. Cool, cool, cool. Did you end up listening to, when I, when I heard you were listening to the Polish Top 50, I, I recommended Estonian rapper Tommy Cash to you. Did you listen to any Tommy Cash? I have not yet. Is he the one with the music video where he's just, his back to the camera the whole time, like holding a gun? No, you're <laughs> <laughs> that's a little ugly mane but that's a tight <laughs> mistake to make a little ugly mane is american i don't know why he, he was estonian. that seems like an estonian thing to do oh okay. that seems like estonian sensibilities really in that music video i get really heavy like virginia vibes mm. um, from the i, I th you think you showed me a small clip of it i don't think i've actually watched it all the way oh throw them guns that's a great song Okay, all right. Is that part, is this your media roundup? Well, I guess so. I, I didn't intend it to be, but apparently Little Ugly Man, Little Ugly Man throw them guns, the music video too of him just walking away. But then for my actual media roundup, it's not very long. I've been watching The X-Files with my roommate. Oh, nice. Great show. I will mention one of the really good episodes also has one of the most confusing like oversights. I don't know if it was an oversight or if the 90s were really like this, but it's an episode mm. about gender bending, which mm. is like that the main My favorite in the Avatar universe. The main <laughs> the main villain of the episode is both female and male uh, and mm -hmm. can switch like, you know, like a snap of the finger, uh, you know, uh, Zelda from Smash Bros style, like mm. can just turn from one to the other. Um, and when they're first trying to solve the crime, they're like everybody who's been a victim has been in the throes of sexual passion during their death and they're like and and he's like uh oh and so and he says something about like the criminal being a male uh molder does one of the main two detectives and his uh not scully and his partner scully responds with well it can't be a male because because some of the victims were men. And then <laughs> and then he goes, well, some of the victims were women. And then they're like, this makes no sense. And then they just move on. That's so awesome. I think, I think Mulder's take, he literally says, this is a puzzle. That's awesome. And then they just move on to the rest of the episode. <laughs> so I guess by, they didn't know about bi people back then. I don't know what the implication true mystery. was. But <laughs> this is a real brain teaser that there could be sexual crimes committed against men and women by one person. Like, I don't know how we're going to figure this out, but <laughs> the victims are both men and women. It's a puzzle. And there's one NB in there that I don't know about. <laughs> um. Oh, also, just for the uh, for the day one fans, I'm sipping on a uh, Jackrabbit apricot uh, sour that's very delicious right now. So shout out Jackrabbit. Fun fact for our apricot heads out there in Arabic, apricot is mishmush, which is such a fun word. Mishmush. Ooh, I like that. If you ever have a uh, like a Momo type um, 
side animal that hangs out with you. That'd be a cute name for it. Ooh, that would be. And they always like like eating apricots would be part of their character. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Jackrabbit or any other like little brewery that wants to use Mishmush in their apricots brew's name. I think that'd be a fun little flip. I think that'd be a fun little idea. All right. Want to get into the theme? Yeah, for sure. All right. Dreams. Dreams, dreams, dreams. The Fleetwood Matt song. Fleetwood Matt. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you know how in college when you showed up freshman year, it seemed like every guy's name was Matt. They all got together and they made a, a cover Fleetwood band Matt. of Fleetwood Matt. Called Fleetwood Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, dreams. Yeah, um, it was all a dream. It was all a dream. Did you ever get that advice in like second grade where your teacher was like, look, everybody thinks they have a great idea to end all their stories like that. Don't do it. <laughs> we don't take kindly to it. We've seen it every first, second and third grade. Oh, it's like that's a, a good, creative writing thing. Yeah. <laughs> think that's oh. a good way to end a story. No, I don't think I got the advice, but I just did the thing where it took place in a snow globe. Really? That's actually way more <laughs> clever. That's that M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> Is that actually how like what what movie ends like that? Is that like a a a wedding? Not a wedding story. Whatever. I can't remember names. Of I think shit. it's. I know the TV show Saint Elsewhere maybe had like an ending like that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna end my TV show by it zooming into a snow globe, and it turns out that the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer universe is contained in my show's universe. Mm. And it becomes that animation and then it plays out for after the movie finishes a whole other that whole movie plays <laughs> out. That's that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. It's it's artsy, it's conceptual. High brow. You uh you listening to this new Billie Eilish uh, record? I didn't know about it. Got really uh, roasted by my brother by uh Dorley texting about it in the group chat and me being like, I, I don't know, it's like a pop album. I don't I'm sure I'll think it's okay at best. <laughs> my brother was like, How very early nineties of you <laughs> I don't get why people do that. It's like, poptimism, I get that. Like, not every pop record is bad for being a pop record, but this, like, mm-hmm. blowback with poptimism where every pop record is good or being cynical of, like, completely mm-hmm. manufactured media is somehow problematic is also just, like, I don't know. I guess the pendulum probably just will continuously swing back and forth to both extremes my whole life. Ooh, speaking of pendulums and trends, I know this is kind of a tangent on a tangent but um if if you will uh, entertain me in going into the snow globe rabbit hole you know what trend i'm wait I, mean, I am ready to end go for it what what trend hazy ipas what hazy ipas oh okay get them the fuck out of here i don't want to see another hazy ipa for the rest of my life uh what makes a hazy ipa it's like they just put bullshit in there like little particles they ju- they just put bullshit. They take the pulp from the pulpless orange juice factory yeah. and put it in the IPA, and they're like, job it's done. It's something about like the filtering process, but I don't really like them. And some of them, I feel like I'm almost allergic to. They like make my throat itch. Um, and it, they're just everywhere, dude. They're just taking over so many menus now, and it's just it's not a good beer style. What? Well, how do how how does if, if I was gonna have just a basic hazy IPA that wasn't flavored with anything? How does it defer? In flavor from a regular IPA, itchier. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. 
All right, we should. We really did not have a lot to say about dreams. Let's dip back into that topic. Oh yeah, let's go back into dreams. Well, we haven't really made a statement at all yet, Paul. How yeah. do you feel about dreams? I like them. They're like real life, but how do you feel no about consequences? I'm I'm honestly okay with them because the relief of it not being real is often like kind of a nice feeling. Mm. You ever have those nightmares where you like go to jail or something? You're like, fuck, I fucked up my life. Whatever. I guess I just got to be in jail now. And then you wake up and you're like, damn, I'm good. <laughs> no, that's never happened to me. <laughs> that That's happened to me a couple times. It's always a great feeling to be like, I got away with it. <laughs> you do wake up feeling like you got, I got away, away with, with my uh, dream crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I do wake up feeling like I got away with something. I have like residual like guilt but also like happiness that i got away with it <laughs> that's interesting i think um whenever i have a nightmare it can actually like put me in a funk for like the start of my day <laughs> it can actually like affect my day oh really yeah mm. what sort of nightmares do you have you know i don't really remember my dreams to be honest it's uh probably a good thing because no one wants to hear about them but that's true i don't i know it's one of those things where like well technically uh you do dream every night it's just whether or not you remember it um but most nights i don't remember my dreams and then uh, on other days where, like, I have a vague recollection, they they more just leave an impression on me. And that impression can, like, mm. cause for, like, a little bit of a funk at the beginning of my day. I, I'm going to make this point, which is, like, I'm going to I'm gonna say the thing I have to say before a lot of things in this show, which is I've done zero research. Mm-hmm. But somebody told me this once, and it feels and sounds right based on my experience. So I've just gone ahead and believed it, um, which is, <clears throat> I think it was something I heard from, like, a high school teacher or something, uh, was that, like dreams are our brains like firing the synapses that are like forming our memories overnight and it's just like strengthening those connections Mm -hmm. between our synapses and the brain so that's like what we're seeing and experiencing are basically like just a reflection of patterns we've had throughout the day and that's how it like strengthens those connections in our brains to form long-term memories is by firing them off at night and that feels right to me. Have you ever, did you ever get that thing when you were a kid where you got, like, I remember this with Flash games or any sort of, like, games with reaction times, where I kind of knew if I played it a lot one day, I would slowly get better during the day, but I knew when I went to sleep and woke back up, I would wake up way better at oh, it. Oh, interesting. Like, and so that's why that thing from that teacher kind of resonated with me. I'm like, that ah, that kind of makes sense to me. Like, feel like maybe overnight, like, those connections fit maybe honestly maybe that's just me not realizing i was tired by the end of the day and just getting <laughs> yeah i worse. guess that's true you could just be <laughs> well rested <laughs> i could it could just be the well-rested aspect it's still an, an open question in science what dreams are actually meant to do and what sleep even is about so yeah yeah there's the camp for what i said and then there's the camp for their second dimensions of reality where well, people are coming in to tell there's us also secrets. like the evolutionary evolutionary psychology of it of like it's meant to like prep you for situations that you could encounter in real life or something mm. but uh i don't know uh i mean i think i've talked about it on pod before about how i have like the weird thing where i have dreams where i wake up and get out of bed and then realize later that mm. that was a dream and that'll recur like seven or eight times to the point where when i do wake up i'm not sure if i'm actually awake or not <laughs> horrifying yeah it's not great and then i'm <laughs> sounds also, like a living hell <laughs> i think i've also talked with th- those are definitely dreams where they're not like outright scary but it does like put me in a weird mood for the beginning of the day and then there's also the fact that i have sleep paralysis so i've definitely uh dealt with that in the past every time i hear that described i'm so glad i don't have it sounds like the worst little pro tip for the listeners if you have it uh try and wiggle your nose it gets you out of it just doing that for some reason and then uh yeah i think i have uh, nightmares about as often as i have positive dreams that i remember so sleep and dreams uh not always uh 
I guess they're, I guess I have worse luck on that stuff than I realized. <laughs> I've never really thought about it that much. Um, mm. But I enjoy dreaming most of the time. It's usually pretty nice. I've never like dream journaled or tried to lucid dream or anything like that. Definitely get anxiety dreams. And those are pretty vivid. What are like, like uh, you showed up for the last day of class and you forgot your underwear. Hey, hey, and don't spoil exam. the third segment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, like literally like uh, I had a dream the night before my experiment where I just had a dream about me. Uh, it was it's, it's definitely like more abstract, but it's pretty on the nose. It's not like losing teeth in your dreams where it's like, you know, I'm going to try and figure out what the meaning is. It's like very direct. Like I have a dream where I fuck up my experiment or something. Mm. Yeah. Not much to figure out there. Don't really need much interpreted. Yeah, you had a dream where you didn't have enough male bees and it was like out of season to get male bees. And then you had to ask the other person who did bees in your lab if you can have some of her male bees. And it was like a little <laughs> awkward, but Charlie did it. And then you got the male bees. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not that direct. It was actually a weird <laughs> enough thing where like one of them was like, I was doing my experiment in like an open air building where it was like a brick building that was like open air, like the top was off of it. And like there were like big holes in the side of it, almost like what like a like a old fortress would look like when you look at like Fort Sumter in South Carolina or things like that. Mm -hmm. I was doing my research in one of those for some reason. And like I went away for a few minutes and apparently like there was like an exterminator set to go to the building that day. And so he thought my bees were the pest. So he killed them all. And that was my <laughs> dream. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Paul, what's one of the last dreams you remember? And do you have you a strong know, opinion about talking about your dreams with people? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also of the opinion that it's incredibly boring, but it's an episode on dreams, right? We got we we let's just both do one. I don't remember most of mine from adulthood. Um, Any childhood but, dreams you remember? Yeah, that's mainly because I think those at the time freaked me out more. There was a recurring one where I mean, this is literally something that happened to me, and then it was a recurring nightmare afterwards. So this was something that something similar happened, and then like similar dreams would uh pop up semi-regularly as nightmares was my first day of like school in america a teacher told me what bus to get on because i i think i still wasn't very good at reading english i don't know if it's because i was a stupid kid or <laughs> because i was just getting used to english uh, but she told me what bus to get on and it turned out to be the wrong one and it wasn't going anywhere near my house and i just remember being like the last kid on the bus mm. and the bus driver was like why are you still on we've been to every stop <laughs> i'm like oh me i don't know <laughs> Damn, that is scary. Uh, and yeah, for a young kid, it is. And then so I had a reoccurring nightmare that like I, I would it would just be me in the bus loop at Lake Murray Elementary School. And it would be me trying to like find the bus and they would all be like driving away or I couldn't find mm -hmm. the right one. And then there'd be nobody around or it would just be something spooky going on at that bus loop. Man, <laughs> would happen very frequently. My parents always uh, my parents drove me home because they loved me. So they didn't make me take the bus. Sorry, some of our parents worked, Adrian, instead of just uh, hanging out Actually, in sombreros under big trees. Like two, two quick stories, two quick day. stories. One, I did one time because I was like, I did go back and forth between the bus and being driven home. There was, I think, at one point where my mom was able to start doing it. And so she asked us if that's what we preferred. And I think we, my sister and I were both like, yes. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, because I was back and forth for a while, uh, the bus driver didn't realize I was on the uh, bus. And so she skipped my house. And that was like terrifying for me as a kid i was like i'm not gonna get home <laughs> and it really in reality i just had to wait like another 20 minutes when she was able to like kind of get back onto the same route again and um drop yeah. me off but uh the other two stories is one um i don't know why my dad didn't pick me up i guess because he was like gonna be i don't know my dad was waiting for me at, our, at the end of our driveway i was getting dropped off by the bus and just to hang out and wait for me my dad got out of the car and just sat on the roof of the car to like hang out and get some sun. And like the cool, the kids thought that was so cool. 
Like everyone on the bus was like, damn, Adrian, your dad, your dad's so cool, man. <laughs> He's just hanging out on the top of your car. Um, which I thought was so funny. <laughs> and uh, the last story is there was the time where due to a miscommunication with my neighbor, uh, I didn't have anyone pick me up after school. And it was like an hour after school. Um, and like everyone else had gotten picked up. And like, I think... At some at some point, I got in contact with my mom, but yeah, definitely. Like as a kid, like as an adult, you realize, like you know, eventually someone was going to come for me. But as a kid, I was really like, I don't think anyone's coming for me. I think I'm, I think I'm just abandoned as a child. Got a strikeout on my own. For <laughs> our uh, as a quick little glimpse into our episode where Paul talks about a confusing world of unreasonable adults in the South, uh, my neighbor's excuse was that she thought my mom asked her, "Are you able to pick up Adrian?" But not actually asking her, "Can you pick up Adrian?" <laughs> like she literally did like a "May I? Can I?" thing. What? Yeah, that was her excuse for why she didn't pick me up. And I was like, what the fuck? Even I know that's bullshit. That's so stupid. <laughs> she was like, yeah, Adrian's probably only about like 80 pounds. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's kind of a chubby kid, but of course I could pick him up. I wonder why Miss Perez called me to ask about that's that. That's not a, like a, I'm a god and I'm making a boulder that even I can't lift type thing. I think <laughs> I could probably lift Adrian. <laughs> um, no, no, no. So yeah, it wasn't even that. It was literally that like to like. In the literal sense of driving the car to pick me up, she literally thought she was asking, do you have the availability today? But I'm not actually asking oh. you to do it, which made no goddamn okay. sense. Um, and then the other nightmare that I remember starkly, and this was not something that was based in any sort of reality, um, was me being locked in a car with a bunch of bears who could talk, speak English, and they were all, like, discussing if they should eat me. Which, after reading The Hobbit... I mean, that is, like, something that happens to them with trolls, but I hadn't read The Hobbit. That's that, right? that was a cool premise for a story. So, yeah, I was I was trapped in that car. I couldn't unlock the doors. It was, it, they couldn't get out either. It was, like, some sort of magic car. Mm. I don't even know if the universe really existed out of that the car. Sense. We were just in the car, and they were all like, we're, we're, we're big-talking bears. Should we eat them? And they were debating it. Mm. And? Well, was there always... They didn't eat me. They didn't? I think I woke up in time. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. It it was a lively debate though. Mm. Three angry bears. Three angry bears. Going back to the bus thing, this is just a random uh, being on the bus as a kid story. I remember the the pinnacle of middle school cool, Mister Brock Nicoletti. <laughs> In reference before on this <laughs> yeah. podcast, the pinnacle of middle school cool, Brock Nicoletti. I remember him in elementary school bullying a kid, throwing his jacket back and forth, um, and th- like. And not giving it to the kid. And eventually he threw it too hard and it went out the window of the bus. Mm. And the bus driver didn't notice. And he looked so sad for like having, I, you know, he wanted to bully him, not do something super, super mean, I guess. Damn. Like there was a line he wasn't actually trying to cross. He looked sad for a moment that he just takes off his jacket. And it's like, oh, he's about to give it to the kid. Like take my jacket. Said, no, he throws his own jacket. <laughs> that's dope. That's, that's good solidarity. <laughs> And he's like, fairsies is fairsies. We're good to go. <laughs> I just, that is such a memory in my mind. Just like, I was like, I think at the time it made sense to me too. I was like, damn, that is a perfect fix. I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, Paul, do you ever have any, uh, any wet dreams? Yes. Is that good content? It's good content. You don't okay. want to go any further into details? No. What? Did you want me to? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, weirdo? <laughs> I'm just trying to fill airspace, baby. We got we got a show to make. <laughs> Did you have any notable dreams or wet dreams? Like, no, I'm not actually asking you that. That's not a question. <laughs> that just because you asked me, I'm asking you. <laughs> I didn't want you to ask me it, so that's good. Fair is fair. Uh, did you have any notable dreams either recently or growing up, Adrian? 
Um, I used to have this recurring nightmare where uh, uh, a a witch, a witchy type lady uh, would chase me in my dreams. It was one of those weird ones where it was a very stereotype dream where like the same events happen in the same order. And there's this one point where I'm trying to climb like a black kind of like, you know, old timey fence, like a Victorian type fence. Um, I'm trying to climb out over that to get away from her. And right when she grabs my ankle while I'm trying to climb is when I wake up every single time. Ooh, okay. That was a weird thing that I had as a kid. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, does anybody have like positive dreams that they remember? Like recurring dreams? I don't think I have. I don't really. uh, um, I don't know. People say flying seems enjoyable in dreams. I've never actually had a flying dream. All right. Should we get into the articles? Probably want to go first or second? Your choice. Dealer's choice. Uh, I'll go first. Okay, so I am bringing in Melissa Daum. Um, and so she is a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing in the West Village in New York City. Uh, she earned her master's degree in the arts and counseling with an emphasis in depth psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute, a Jungian-oriented training program. And she is a psychoanalytic candidate at the National Psychological Association for Psychoanalysis, NPAP, in New York City. Um, and so she also runs an advice column where people can write in about their dreams and she will analyze their dreams for them. And so that's what we're going to go through today. Paul, are you ready? I'm so ready. That sounds really cool. That sounds All right. like a great idea. Dear advice column, Carl Jung and dream analysis. I had this dream a few weeks ago at a time in my life when I was nearing the end of my seasonal job and was unsure of what to do with my life. I dreamt it was nighttime in the town that I currently live in, and I was wandering around. I entered a building with a lot of people milling around and mingling, when across the room, I saw a girl about my own age who was missing both of her eyes. In the eye sockets were just black, empty spaces. I walked over to her and she held up her hands to show that she was holding her eyes. I was concerned for her and asked if she needed help. She nodded her head yes, and handed me her eyes to put back where they belonged. I successfully restored her eyes, but after I had finished, I suddenly realized that, while I was occupied, she had stolen my own eyes. I looked down in my dream, somehow, and I saw that I was left holding my eyes, and the girl had disappeared. This is probably the strangest dream I've had in a long time, and I have no clue if it means anything, but my dreams don't normally have a storyline like this one. Any insight would be lovely. Okay. Okay, so the eyes are definitely his testicles, right? That's... that's obvious from <laughs> i think it's a uh, a woman writing in but oh okay i like yeah. your i like your analysis um okay my actual analysis also is, i don't know if you saw the article but there's a very creepy visual that goes along with it i did i saw that i think she feels like she helps people a lot in her life right and mm-hmm. she feels like those people don't appreciate or often betray her and the fact that their eyes our main sensory organ the thing that you see through that you perceive our main perception into this world has to be relevant somehow so i'm gonna say that the fact that it's her eyes is she feels like did she give us any insight into what she does for like a living who she is nope just that uh it was during a stressful time in her life no when she was ending she was nearing the end of a seasonal job and was unsure what to do with my life is the context Interesting. I don't know if that plays into it. I would like to know how her interpersonal relationships are. One of the fun things about these questions, like from reading the other advice columns, is that uh, a lot of times people like describe a dream 
And then the last sentence will be like, and then also I've been having a lot of marital problems right now. Don't know if that helps or if that information is useful. <laughs> or they'll be like, and uh, actually I'm uh, finishing school right now and I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. But I don't know yeah, if that's she just helpful. Adds this one was like, and <laughs> yeah, what would she add this one with? Oh, also my grandma's losing her eyesight and they're worried it might be genetic. Don't know if that has anything <laughs> exactly. to do with this. Yeah. Uh, just like, I don't know if that has anything to do with this, but. <laughs> um, just a little bit of random inferuno for you. I think you're right about the thing about how it almost seems like a metaphor for helping people and losing part of yourself by helping people. Mm. Um, but there is like the betrayed element, but I don't know. It didn't seem like that person was necessarily antagonistic in their stealing of her eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if she feels like uh, she perceives or or she does like the eyes are not it's not like the heart right it's not uh an organ it's like an intellectual organ or eyes it's like a very fact mm. logic based thing like you see like you're an eyewitness you're like a trusted witness you're somebody who has firsthand knowledge of something mm. so maybe she feels like she gives people like very literal physical help like she's helped someone at work or helped someone professionally or uh academically like in a very literal way Damn, Paul could be a a dream interpreter. That's a, I like those associations, like where you're going with this. But I don't know. Also, I think interpreting dreams is kind of bullshit. I'm just kind of trying to play the part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think you're doing a good job. Do you have any insight, Adrian? Well, you know, they said that the eyes are the mirror to the soul. So, you know, um, if you take someone's mirrors off of their their house space, if if on the wall, which is your face, Mm. you take the mirrors off, which are the eyeballs to the soul. The mirror mirror on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's probably, that probably symbolizes, um, that you're, uh, getting new mirror. I kind of lost where I was going with this analogy. I, uh, no, I mean, uh, I feel your brother right there. It's just like mirrors are expensive. You don't know that when you're a kid because they're just Mm. like in every bathroom. And then you're an adult and you're like, what the fuck? A mirror is like a (laughs) hundred dollars. That, does that play into this? I think so. <laughs> I think mirrors. that's what this is about. <laughs> Why are mirrors so damn expensive? <laughs> um, They're taking her eyeballs, and she feels like eyeball, and she feels like she's been balling out like eyeball mm. out, and she feels like other people are being like haters, bringing her down. She's just trying to like hit the club, have a good time, and people won't let her ball. She just lost uh, in a democratic process where the eyes had it, and... Um, <laughs> 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 this is where the dream's coming from. Mm. Her eyeballs represent her most prized electronic possession, her iPad. You know, just mm. a little play on words right there. Eyeball, iPad. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> Interpreting dreams. Um, you don't ever, uh, you don't ever, do, 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 so wait, actually, do you think your dreams have any meaning? I guess that would have been a good question to ask earlier in the episode. No, I think, like I said at the beginning, I actually very much resonate, like, personally with how I feel like dreams. Like, I resonate with the explanation that they're us forming long-term memories. Like, that feels real to me. Mm. Uh, Like I said, maybe I should have done any research instead of just going, (laughs) oh, that's the one that, like, resonates with how I feel, so it's true. But (laughs) that's the one that resonates with how I feel, so (laughs) I'm going to assume it's true. Interesting. Yeah, and I think, I, like I said earlier, like, I, mine are, if they mean something, it's usually pretty literal. So they're not, like, really things that you have to interpret that are abstract. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, habits are a very specific and very entrenched form of long-term memory. You probably do that so often, like, that, that morning routine, that mm-hmm. those synapses are just bonded together incredibly strongly that form that memory of how to do that morning routine because you do it on autopilot so often. 
So the fact that they're just also, while you're sleeping, reinforcing those bonds and auto-firing, to me, makes sense based on, like, how I feel like dreams are uh, formed. It sounds about as, uh, well, it doesn't sound as wooey, but it sounds about as credible as uh, you doing the jokey dream interpretation to me. <laughs> I don't really know, to be honest. Fair enough. <laughs> but... Uh, it, it sounds as credible as eyeball out at the club, so it's eyeballs. <laughs> of, uh, she wants to be taller, she wants to be a baller, she's all dreaming of all these things. <laughs> I'm kind of interested in how the question and answer with her um, yeah. Jungian, Jungian psychology, yeah, is going to uh, take, uh, how she's going to bring this into the collective unconscious. Yeah, 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 I mean, you know she's smart because she's a Jungian. Mm. All right, you want to hop into the answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's see what she has to say about this creepy-ass dream. Dear R, Wow, I see what you mean about this being a strange dream. It feels like a vignette out of a David Lynch film. Oh, how Lynchian. Mm. That's the that's the big divide, is Jungian or Lynchian? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That, calling something like it's out of a David Lynch film when it's creepy, it's just like up there with calling something Kafka-esque or whatever. I don't know, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is creepy and dark. Cool. Feels a lot more literal than what David Lynch would put in a film, but whatever. Mm. Oh, so you're saying it's insulting to David Lynch? I think it is. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I gravitated to this question because I did think it was kind of creepy, but I think in terms of like, if you actually wrote this out as a story, it'd be a little bit almost seemingly like derivative. Yeah, Um, I agree. And overly symbolic. I have the privilege of contributing my own reverie and simple interpretation for the end lady Jesus <laughs> uh, to the dreams wondrous advice columns wondrous advice readers submit God why do I, why is this such a hard sentence to read she put capital letters on wondrous advice I thought that was her plugging something is that just her using capitals in a weird place I think so oh, okay simple interpretations to the dreams wondrous advice readers submit but ultimately dream work is a collaboration where the dreamer's own associations guide the journey. Without those personal associations, what I can offer are more broad principles of dream interpretation and archetypal associations to the dream images. Uh, I, I do have a question for you, Adrian. Do you think, are, are you a believer that teamwork makes the dream work? <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I do believe that. Okay, cool. Carl Jung thought about dreams as an interior drama depicting what is occurring in the unconscious, and dreams are the cinema screen. He wrote, The whole dream work is essentially subjective, and a dream is a theater in which the dreamer is himself the scene, the player, the prompter, the producer, the author, the public, and the critic. Citation number one. If we think about this, it's kind of trippy. Why would we write and direct such dreams? This is where dream work can be an exciting and challenging route to self-knowledge. To take the idea of dreams as theater a step further, Jung also noted that many dreams follow a classic dramatic structure. There is exposition, akin to an opening scene, setting the tone, time, and place of your dream. In the second phase, there is an action, a development in the plot, where characters, think of characters loosely, they can be people, objects, or any other element that's encountered. You might as well say noun. It sounds like she just described noun. (laughs) A person, a place, or a thing. The third phase is the culmination or climax, and the final phase is the lysis or resolution. Here in R's dream, while the content of the dream is peculiar, the structure of the dream is actually quite narrative. So let's see how this fits into a dramatic structure. I feel like that totally does not describe the dreams that I have. I feel like dreams yeah, that I have do not have Yeah, my dreams are like, very random. 
my my dreams never like open up in like an idyllic uh, country home and then like something <laughs> dramatic happens that starts the uh, initiated action. <laughs> well, of course not. My dreams start at the height of the action, then they flash back to a calm time and they say three That's months true, earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Mine usually starts with me as a uh, as a al- alpaca and then me saying, "I'm going to tell you how I got to this point." <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's either that or it starts with me hanging out in my swamp uh, while Smash Mouth plays. (laughs) Here you can see how I divided the dream, though it certainly could be reworked in other ways. What stands out to me is the opening scene, where you're wandering around during the nighttime. The time of day in which a dream occurs can be a mirror to how deep in the unconscious the dream is taking place. A dream taking place in daylight or twilight may refer to material that's a little closer to the surface or more conscious, versus a dream in the nighttime which may refer to less conscious, deeper, or older material. Yeah, of course. Th- that's obvious. Wh- wh- why would you have to- you cited sources before, why would you have to cite sources on that? That's just so obvious. <laughs> that's not just some bullshit somebody said once and you decided to repeat like it's true at all. God fucking damn it. People like this suck. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. The time of day really matters for the dream. That's that's where it's taking place in the consciousness. I feel like you could do that with anything. You could be like, the setting of a dream really matters. If it's far away from home, it's probably deep in your unconscious, where it's yeah, close to home. <laughs> it's, it's so silly. There's nothing, like, other than it just kind of sounds nice, like, maybe to the logic of a child. What proof is there for that? None. It gives, like, a biological determinism to, like, symbology and common tropes that we've decided on in works of fiction and narrative. <laughs> Which is pretty rad. I got it like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, you're right. I'm being too harsh. This is kind of cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what? I should stop being mean to these people. They believe in magic. I don't. They're having <laughs> such a better time than me. <laughs> What also stands out to me is the lack of dialogue in the dream. There's a lot of nonverbal communication. You asked the girl if she needed help, and she nodded yes. She she handed you her eyes, and you knew what to do. The bond between the two girls seems very internal, as if she's a part of you. She also needed your help, but then she hurt you in the end. I would ask if that feels familiar in any way. However, she gave you back what you thought had been taken from you, like a very bizarre gift-giving. The notion of sight in this dream is also so tricky and prismatic. It's truly fascinating and eerily beautiful. While it's customary to link our dreams to past circumstances that may have caused the conflicts we're dreaming about, Jung proposed dreams can provide vital clues about where the psyche wants to go. If we read the Lysis stage closely, we may hear a method of problem solving that is already happening on an unconscious level. The dream is asking you to look down to see that you're left holding your own eyes. Maybe this could be understood as a looking down to the past, or towards solid ground, or holding your eyes, or at one sense of self, in a new way with greater respect, which literally means to look again or to look back. So as you realize you are left holding eyes, slash eyes is in the letter, uh, and the like pronoun for yourself, in your own hands, the girl is free to disappear as you look again at yourself. We're excited, general aspects of dream psychology, Jung, page one or 509. Yeah, I cannot imagine having anything going on in my life and that being helpful. Yeah, damn. All right, any last comments on that one, Paul? No, I'm good. Uh, I hope that the reader is doing, or that the uh, question asker is doing okay, and that uh, they maybe asked a friend to help interpret that dream and got some more useful advice. (laughs) Or they asked a friend to interpret that dream, and their friend went, why don't we just watch a movie instead of talking about your (laughs) boring-ass dreams? Yeah, and then that friend really quickly before that is like, also, aren't you getting LASIK eye surgery next week? (laughs) I don't know if that information is useful, but... (laughs) All right, my column.
I'm bringing in St. George's News column called Relationship Connection, written by Jeff Sturer. So this one is titled, My Wife Gets Angry With Me After She Has a Bad Dream. Relatable. My wife occasionally has vivid dreams that disturb My her. My wife. My wife. That disturb her <laughs> after she wakes up. For example, she might have a dream where we're fighting and I'm yelling at her. Or she sometimes dreams that I'm cheating on her with another woman. She also had dreams of me hurting our children or other horrible things. When she wakes up, she not only wants to talk about these dreams, but she also feels they are warning her or telling her something important about her life. In some ways, she feels like they're based in reality, especially the dreams that are reoccurring. I promise you that I've never cheated on my wife and I've never hurt my kids. Yes, we've had arguments where we've raised our voices, but I've never abused her. I can't. I did not hit her. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I can't explain her dreams, and I feel like I'm on trial for something I'm not doing. These conversations about her dreams go nowhere, and I end up worried many nights about what I'll wake up to. It's giving him nightmares. <laughs> Break up with her. Break up with her. She's broken. She's a defective <laughs> model. End your marriage. Leave those kids. Poe, you ever dealt with this? Has your, one of your partners ever done this to you? No. I think that would be grounds. I'm not saying this person should. He's married. He has a longer relationship. It's something to work through. But if this happens in the first three months of a relationship, you break up with that person. I don't know how. You... Damn. Okay. Hard line. That's that's grounds for a breakup being that annoying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you have a longer relationship and you like love them or whatever, you know, I mean, make it work or whatever, like talk to them about it. Mm. Have you ever cheated on someone in a dream or been cheated on in a dream? I don't know if I've been cheated on in a dream. I've never asked my partner uh, about that, but I, 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 yeah, I've cheated on people in dreams. I've, I've had dreams where I'm having sex while I was in a relationship. But no, 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 because in the dream, are you still in that relationship? Because couldn't you technically have a dream where like it's a scenario where you're? Oh, okay. Um, then no is the answer to that question. Yeah, I think I think I meant more directly. Like you have a dream where it's established that you have a partner, and then you you cheat on them. Um, have you? No, I don't think so. Mm. I think same thing when you add the parameters of like, it has to be a dream about like actually about you cheating in the dream. Uh, I don't think I've had one of those. Yeah, this this woman's crazy, right? That's that's not an acceptable way to behave. <laughs> I wouldn't call them crazy. Um, I, I agree. It's an annoying thing to do. And I agree that I empathize with the feeling of frustration of feeling like you're being scrutinized by your wife now. Because she has a recurring dream. I'm gonna, I think if I actually get into an argument about this with someone who I was in a long-term relationship with, I would probably say something about how them having these dreams is more of a them thing. than a, that's, that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. <laughs> I think that says something about how you're feeling about things right now that you need to figure out. Adrian, this is a big facts, no cap. Small fact of the day. What what mm, the small caps? This is a small caps moment. What the fuck are you talking about? Have you ever not to be like an old timey man from the fifties, but have you ever tried? Hey, to happy tell, life, happy wife. Have you ever tried <laughs> to tell a girlfriend some shit like that? That's a you problem. You think that's playing out well? <laughs> what sort of fucking relationship have you been in, homie? That's I'm a you be problem. Sleeping on the couch. <laughs> that's a you problem. Walks out room. <laughs> like you think that's playing out good for you? I'm gonna go get some pizza. <laughs> Not to be like a, a Bill Burr dude doing a Bill Burr bit, but like how unbelievable! Can you believe Adrian over here? <laughs> how the fuck do you think that's gonna work out good for you? <laughs> not to be a not to be a chance the rapper here, but ooh, I love my wife. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, okay, all right. I, I can see. I, I appreciate you calling me on that. I'm sure that's probably 
something I would maybe try that wouldn't work out. I mean, I just don't think I, I'm just saying I don't think I would engage in it. Yeah. Um, but I, I empathize with the fact that like I think that's a problem though. It's not. It's, it's she's forcing him to engage by being upset with him, probably like throwing a stank attitude around. Yeah, by being upset and having like child protective services like <laughs> dialed in on her phone, like just one number off, so she can call it at any point. <laughs> Are dreams admissible in court? Yeah. Hmm. How do you think they put Freddy Krueger into jail in that one movie? <laughs> uh <laughs> where are we at what are we doing what are we talking about people being upset at you about dreams that you had nothing to do have you ever had this situation play out adrian has anybody ever told you you were mean to them in a dream no i don't think so i don't think i, I feel like this is a, a very sitcom-y stand-up-y type thing mm. it's very normcore and a type of normcore that i don't have in my life yeah same and i think that would be the most insulting part of it it would just be like as soon as like that person woke up and was upset at me and i was like are we doing this? Are we really doing this? I'm living this life now. I'm this person with you being upset. I'm at me. according to Jim now. I'm according to Jim right now. Like, I, w- I would be more ex- like exhausted by the pure concept of what was happening. That's true. I would just make them watch or like, yeah, watch whatever comedian's bit about it is. Yeah. Uh, but you like, pull up the TV. Chris Rock is talking page. about you. Yeah. <laughs> is that one way to handle it legitimately? It's just like pull up uh, someone roasting people who do that. Is that a way to handle problems in a relationship in general? I mean, I don't know. Is, I, I mean, any relationship problem is so easy to talk about conceptually. But anytime you're in an actual argument in a relationship, it's so easy to like emotions cloud actually, everything and it becomes kind of hard. I really like the idea of having a library, a folder on my computer of comedy bits about male comedians talking about how women do crazy things <laughs> in relationships and just having one ready for whatever whatever comes up. Me <laughs> to be like, let me let me soundboard that I created and only used in one episode of this podcast, but I just have <laughs> bits about women acting crazy on every button. <laughs> just to argue with my, my partner. <laughs> I just play each one at the right moment. <laughs> Guys, tell me if this ever happened to you. Like, you be in the bed, right? And you're with your girl and you're sleeping. And all of a sudden, I'm like, ow! And she'd be like, I just had a dream where you were sleeping with another woman. And you'd be like, so? She'd be like, explain yourself. Now, anybody else in the world, any other human being, you'd be like, oh, that person has mild schizophrenia, right? <laughs> but because she's your girl and you love her, you'll be like, oh, well, <laughs> you know me. <laughs> <clears throat> That's all you can say. That's a good idea. I have to have my one folder for if I'm dating a girl and one for if I'm dating a guy. <laughs> and one for if I'm dating an Envy. Envies be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been with an Envy? Yeah, you really have to get the Gen Z comics to uh, fill up that folder. <laughs> is that what Gen Z comics are doing? Is that what's going on at like uh, UCB nowadays? Is like Gen Z comics doing bits about like dating an NB? Probably, yeah. That's probably. I can almost certainly see that right now. Comedy Central. I don't know what Gen Z or Nick typical names are. Uh, Aiden McBride talks about NBs. <laughs> <laughs> Aiden McBride is talking about like you know when you date an NB and they not only take your hoodie but your pants and your shoes too. <laughs> <laughs> My ex-girlfriend was an NB. Yeah, y'all heard that, right? She never boned. <laughs> God, that's terrible. <laughs> um, so I almost cut it out because I thought it was wrong, but I was actually right. And the uh, there was an openly gay rapper on uh, the last Ultimate Madness um, tournament bracket for URL. And one of the bars that the other dude had was something about like how he was going to shoot him in his like legs, back, 
gut and torso that's lgbt or something like that it's kind of like um i know that in stand-up it's like the kind of go-to for like explaining that white guys don't need to do straight cis white dudes don't need to do comedy about how there are too many letters in like lgbtqia now uh, but I think in Battle Rap, it hasn't been exhausted yet. So, yeah, I think that was uh, that was still kind of fresh and kind of a... I mean, Phil was like, that was kind of a hard bar. That was a hard bar, god damn. <laughs> yeah. Okay, any last ideas, Adrian? Uh, have you ever been in the doghouse with the old missus? Have you ever been in trouble? How do you deal with it? Oh, you know what I was remarking on the other day? This is definitely going to get cut. But um, do you remember Joshua Holland from high school? No. Oh, really nice guy. One of those guys who's like... Very athletic and kind of popular, but also just like a genuinely good, nice dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has the cutest little like baby me? now. The baby's like you? <laughs> the baby is bold. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I meant being athletic and popular, but genuinely nice. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, yeah. Have I ever been in the doghouse? Um, okay, yeah, no. I don't think I have anything else to say about this. I haven't had to deal with shit like this in a long time. So Cool, cool, cool. Answer from Jeff Stirrer of the St. George News. I can only imagine how powerless you must feel held accountable for things you didn't do. Your wife is obviously looking for a way to make sense of her distressing dreams and is turning to you for answers. Dreams can leave some people with powerful imprints and emotions that are difficult to shake. I'll share some thoughts on how you might respond to her distress. You can quickly drive each other crazy trying to prove or disprove something that happened in her head while she was sleeping. This type of standoff is a guaranteed dead-end discussion that needs to be interrupted as soon as it begins. Instead of trying to establish guilt or innocence about behaviors in the dream, I recommend you focus on staying connected to her emotional experience inside the dream. For example, if she tells you that she is worried you're going to cheat on her because she dreamed it, you can reassure her that this will never happen, while at the same time validating how scary that must be for her. Ooh, I like this. Team up with her against the dream. Mm. It's a very Nightmare on Elm Street too. You gotta go into the dream and fight back. <laughs> Let her know that you want to understand how scary this was for her. The dream isn't about you. It's about her working Wait, out fears. Paul, how is one of our ideas not to pretend that you're having dreams that she's doing shitty stuff? Because this is, I mean, clearly the person who pulls this type of attitude and behavior is like the kind of manipulative, powerful one in a relationship. It's not going to work the other way around. No, no, no. I'm going to be like, I had a dream that you beat the kids worse than i than i did in your dream <laughs> i had a dream that you were faking dreams just to be upset at me i had a dream that you cheated on me with two other people <laughs> so you're who's worse that's that's my question who should really be worried about each other <laughs> i had a dream that you were trying to that you were trying to make it harder for black people to vote in georgia so who's really the criminal here a dream about what <laughs> What now? <laughs> Just accuse them of worse and worse things. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <clears throat> it's about her working out fears, worries, and insecurities. If you are supportive, present, and interested, it will make it harder for her to believe the fears she has about you in her dream. While you don't need to take seriously the events of the dreams as reality, you absolutely need to take seriously the feelings she shares with you as a reality. When she's sharing her fears, she's really feeling. You can dismiss those fears because they're based on a dream, or you can stay with her experience of feeling fear and let her know you can care about her pain. If you have nothing to hide, then you can be fully present in a non-reactive way to her fears. If she insists that these are warnings, I encourage you to invite her to share more about her fears and why she believes this might happen. Are there things in the marriage that make her anxious? 
Is she noticing behavioral patterns that may be blind spots for you? Don't immediately dismiss her concerns as irrational just because you haven't done the exact thing she dreamed about. She may be nervous about specific behaviors or situations that could be the seeds of future betrayals. Let her know you are there for her and want to help her be heard, seen, and understood. The less threatened you feel about her emotions and fears, the easier it will be for both of you to make sense of what happened to her. I want to point out an additional consideration. If your wife has a history of trauma, abuse, or other betrayals, it will be important for her to get the proper professional help. These dreams may be ways of her trying to work out the memories stored in her body. If, despite your best efforts at validating and supporting her, she continues to struggle with the outcome of these dreams, encourage her to seek additional professional help to better understand what these dreams and resultant emotions are telling her. Regardless of the outcome, she's going to benefit from your loving presence and support as she makes sense of these overwhelming emotions. Stay connected. Why do I find the idea or the, just the wording of memories stored in her body? Why do I find that weird? It sounds like something out of the Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> I don't know why that was like off-putting to me. Yeah. Odd. Like if you chop off my left arm, all my memories are... <laughs> like that's where I keep my memories. Well, that's where you keep your memories of your left arm. I mean, you know about uh you know you know about mRNA. You know how this all works. That's true, that's true. I do know about mRNA. Isn't that the one where it's like if something happened to your parents, your DNA is different? Oh, you mean epigenetics? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> that's epigenetics. Big yikes. <laughs> but what what's the name of that part of the DNA? Doesn't it have a uh that don't epigenetic mostly, tags have a three letter code it's mostly through methylation and acetylation i think okay um, well i was a little off base but i'm not the biologist here adrian that's why we always have yeah. a science guest on and today it's you. that's why we always have a science guest on <laughs> uh, i have a friend who studies uh transgenerational plasticity okay so, yeah and yeah. your friend will tell you i mean friend if you're listening you'll tell adrian that when your left arm is chopped off you lose all your memories of your parents left arm that's how that's what that's epigenetics true. is that's epigenetics for you right there in a nutshell. All right, Paul, anything about that answer? No, there's, I don't know. It was, it was, it was technically sound advice. Not much to say. You? Uh, same. I think we had, uh, well, I guess there was like some actionable advice in that one. So I guess it wasn't two articles, which is like, yeah, little, uh, duds for answers, but all right, cool. You ready for a third segment? I am ready for a third segment. Alrighty. Well. So we're going back to quiz land for this third segment. I got a quiz of all of the most common dreams and then what their established meaning is based on an article I found online. I mean, um, there's no better authority. Exactly. So this is, let's see. Okay, so it's just 16 of them. And I don't really know how to like, I, I'm going to I'm gonna say if you're in the ballpark of it, I'm going to assume mm. you're correct. I'm going to try and be lenient with this one because you are just trying to give a vague what the usual interpretation is let's see so i got the random number generator hey buddy do uh paul anything you want to say before this do you uh do you think you're going to be able to bullshit your way through this quiz i i would probably this is one of those ones where it'd be nice to hear one before i told you a guess on what my score is going to be i don't know i i don't think i can guess going in okay do you want to do the first one and then guess yeah uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think once you get the hang of it, the quiz is pretty easy. That's going to be my one hint for you. Okay. Okay. The rhino horn right. is phallic. Exactly. So this is the very common dream of having a sex dream with someone who you find repulsive in real life. Mm. It's a, 
it's a punishment for something bad you've done recently. It was when you've been a bad boy. <laughs> okay. You think that's your psyche's way of punishing you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to count that as incorrect. The common interpretation or the interpretation of that common dream is that something astonishing is happening in the real world. Okay. All right. Paul, you want to give your guess on how many out of 15 you're going to get right? Eight. Okay. All right. Um, here we go. The next one, I think we foreshadowed this a little bit. It's a dream, a very common dream, of you being guilty of a crime. I think it's about being guilty, regular style, just about anything. like <laughs> Regular style guilty. <laughs> regular style guilty, like not necessarily a crime. You feel like, uh, you feel, maybe not guilty, but you feel bad about yourself and you feel like you deserve, once again, I'm going to say you feel like you deserve to be punished. Hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Turn all these into BDSM ones. The interpretation of this one is you did something in real life that was beneficial for you, but against your own moral code. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give myself right, a point that. for that one. Yeah. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you self grade on this one, Paul. Mm-hmm. I got a uh, hundred. Oh, and uh, also let me know whether or not you've had this dream before. Okay. Okay. This is one that I referenced earlier. Uh, what does it mean when you have a dream where you lose your teeth? Nervousness? Anxiety? Fear of rejection, undesirability. Okay, I guess not. I'm not going to give myself the point for that one. Okay, all right. Seems like you're being a very honest grader. I appreciate that. Uh, next one. Getting stabbed. Apparently a very common dream. I mean, I mean, you haven't, you haven't been on a date in a while, right? Like, a little hornball. <laughs> you you want to get that little bussy pounded. You want to get that little blowhole torn up. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you dream of getting stabbed uh final answer no okay let me think of the actual one <laughs> your laughter didn't bode well um, okay no, nowhere in this quiz have i written the word bussy down um being stabbed um health issues betrayal in uh, your real life but what if you're stabbed in the front not the back you know that could be that could be what one you were saying earlier. <laughs> uh, maybe but they didn't specify in this uh, in this article. Uh, and you, I'm assuming you've never had a dream where you've been stabbed before, right? No, I don't think I have either. I'm surprised it's a common dream. I think the violence is always implied in my dream. It never like I would wake. I think I wake it's up. It's like before. a Greek drama. Yeah. <laughs> um, infidelity. Infidelity. Mm-hmm. My answer is the question <laughs> in this case. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, if you're cheating in a dream, it's because you want to cheat in real life. I mean, is that the way you interpret that? Maybe more generalized guilt or fear of being caught. Maybe there's like a fear of being caught or a guilt. Uh, I don't know. If you're the one who's being cheated on, it indicates low self worth. And if you're the one doing the cheating, it represents self sabotage, just a general uh, mm. tendency to self sabotage, which I feel like is something that was very like. 2010s in like sitcoms people don't really use that kind of language anymore was that just hot for a second self-sabotage yeah that's up there with like i'm turning into my dad as like a problem people don't seem to have as much of yeah <laughs> it's uh it's like our generation's uh Toxic. it's like a quicksand 
Oh, okay. I, I I feel like it used to be, like, the generic thing that, like, you could blame some of the world's problems on. Now you can blame it on, like, toxic friends or whatever. Like, used to be yeah, able I mean, to play. Yeah, I mean, I very specifically think of it as, like, in the show Scrubs, that's, like, something someone would say as, like, their emotional problem is that they self-sabotage. Oh, I don't yeah, think yeah. anyone would say that nowadays. You don't hear that. Yeah, you're right. That's so true. I feel like we don't have an answer, but we asked the right question. Um, yeah. And somebody needs to let us know why that's changed. Next one losing a shoe forgetfulness i don't losing protection or security okay sure next one is uh being lost in a dream and you not knowing like uh an unsureness in your life's direction or not knowing what you're doing a lack of control in life and a desire to take time away from society i'm gonna give myself credit for that one okay three points that's between you and god paul what does it mean if in a dream you're flying I think it's just like uh, you're fun, free-spirited, living your best life. Damn, so us both admitting that we've never had a flying dream means that neither of us are fun-spirited. Oh, damn. I didn't think about the dark implications of that being my guess, but okay. Uh, Hope, freedom, ambition. Yeah, I'm giving myself credit for that one, too. We got four now. That one, I think, seems like pretty easy, I think. Paul, have you ever had a dream where you are naked in public? I actually have not, but I mean, yeah, I know about that trope, and I feel like that one is almost more obvious than the rest as feeling exposed in danger or humiliated feeling vulnerable in life or unprepared okay five points paul what does it mean if you have a dream where you die in the dream dream where you die well that seems so weird like i said my dreams end before i don't know anything. what happens with the rest of the dream yeah i, I think, think that's you one of those up. things where you can't die and not wake up yeah. right I don't know. If you die in your dreams, you die for real. <laughs> you think you go to heaven if you die in your dreams or go to hell? You go to a hell <laughs> dream area? Like you're just leveling up to the next part of the dream? Yeah, that makes sense. Wait, you're not trying to trick me. It's not like die, D-Y-E, dye your hair or something like. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not. <laughs> that's not how I'm trying to do this. I think if you die in a dream, you're probably reaching an end or a, a sense of completeness and a sense of resolution in something in your life transformation a death of old ways okay um resolution might be a death of old ways but i'm not gonna give it to myself we're gonna stick at all right uh what does it mean if you have a dream about food i think if you're hungry you probably there's something in your life you need you want to consume something honestly i'm not gonna lie to you i've been hungry in a dream and it's definitely just because i'm with the sleep hungry i'm just hungry in real life but i feel like that's not the right answer um but no i think if it's the symbolic answer other than just you're hungry in real life while asleep is that maybe you want to uh consume or there's like something you want nourishment uh emotionally or uh some sort of physical need okay the interpretation for this common dream is you went to bed hungry oh okay really (laughs) you had it right yeah um and apparently this is good for people who want to learn how to lucid dream because it really like connects you back to like your actual physical presence while you're sleeping Mm. um so it's one of the tricks people do to learn how to lucid dream is they'll go to bed hungry yeah i definitely i like physical things i've always dream about like if i need to pee i'm always dreaming that i am peeing and then i wake up scared that i peed my bed and i'm always like oh thank god i didn't and then i go pee oh that's interesting i think i i I pretty somewhat frequently have to like wake up like an hour or two before i want to to go pee but I never have a dream where I'm peeing as like a way to let myself know that. All right. Falling. Ooh. 
feels like the opposite of flying like it's similar but like mm. um this isn't gonna be like that thing where when you're trying to fall asleep and you feel yourself fall and you jolt awake for like a split second yeah i guess if you're falling in a dream a sense of loss of control is gonna be my answer loss of control helplessness um fear lack of control or stability in life nice yeah pretty spot on all right and i guess i've already attested to this that i've had a dream a recurring dream uh, about this before but being chased being chased is the one that to me as a really common dream along with falling off like a cliff or something do lead lend credence to the idea of like situation preparedness is what dreaming is is like yeah Okay, so, but you're saying being chased, not chased, C-H-A-S-T-E-S. No, this is not your chastity belt, Paul. (laughs) Okay, cool, just want to make sure you- Paul just has full dreams where he's just not fucking, that's just the whole premise of the dream. (laughs) Is a sense of conflict and loss. Like, Mm. you've lost to somebody else, like, you feel like somebody got a promotion you wanted, Mm. or you feel like there's some sort of conflict that you, and there might be, like, anxiety over it. I'm just trying to throw out buzzwords at this point. What is I it, feel buddy? like I feel like that is your strategy, and I feel like you're starting to believe yourself more. <laughs> um, it's avoiding things in real life. Oh, damn it. Okay. There's one more, and this is a dream that I've never had. Uh, a dream when you are pregnant. Is this only if you're a man, or is this for both men and women? Is there, like, a qualifier on this? This is for men, women, and envies. Okay, uh, so being pregnant. Uh, maybe it's a desire to help others to... Uh to grow this is one that makes all of this kind of just seem like bs to me the interpretation for this is that you're birthing a new chapter of your life that you may or may not be ready for so there you go that's dream interpretations baby cool 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 paul big fact no cap let's get out of here big fact teamwork makes the dream work my no cap i've never been this stumped before at the end of an episode did we learn anything today Alrighty, and my no capybara is that if you have a another another <laughs> yet another uh, audio issue and have to re-record your no cap, uh, think think about what you're gonna say before just hitting record and trying to get something in to finish up the episode. Maybe listen back to what the episode was about because you kind of forgot about it. Um, that's widely applicable advice, so you're welcome. Let's get out of here. What's one dream that sticks out in your mind? I've had two. There are three sources of dreams. There were four pigeons in the house, and I couldn't get them out. God seen you a dream? And I'd be like, get them right by the door to push them out, and they would come back in. Another source is from yourself. It all begins and ends with you. Third one is... I'm sitting. I don't know what that means. Oh, I see breeze was cracking. It's a snake. My dream is about this wall that I painted. If you called me about 30 years ago, I'd be a dream about fucking. I see this girl and she walks up to me. I walked into this room that's completely white. It's in a white room and I'm, I'm starting to walk towards one of the walls. The wall became geometric shape. All these dreams are starting to bleed into each other. When I have dreams, it's based on reality. I never have like mystical, crazy dreams. Dreams are they know to or want us. My father had this kind of prophetic dream beforehand and avoided going on there, but I really trippy man something just seemed really off to me we're going to like under like these weird tunnels and like this woman starts talking to me she looks really beautiful and at that point it just triggers in me that i was dreaming it's a dream this is a dream